From the windows, doors, and more studios, your one-stop shop for all your kitchen and bath needs. The Pat Miller Program. Whoa, whoa. 92.3 FM and 1190 AM. Depend on it. Hi, everybody. Pat Miller back with you in our third final hour for the day. This is the 5 o'clock hour of the program. And as we always do on Tuesday at this time, we get on our newsmaker line and we rush off to Washington, D.C. He is the real clear politics correspondent to the White House, Philip Wegman. Philip, um, good to have you on today, sir. Thanks for having me, Pat. You bet. So let's run through a couple things real quick that we want to do. First of all, you had an article that came out recently about with all this drama going on uh, with all this foreign agent and we should have done a report and you didn't fill out the report. You didn't say you're working with a foreign government or a company from a foreign government. But the memo revealed $20 million to Hunter and the Biden family. So just help me. When I sit here on the air and when others do as well, nationally, locally, wherever they're at, and they throw out $20 million, these are not just figures that we're throwing out of midair. This was $20 million that revealed itself, right? These were taken from bank account uh, records that the House Oversight Committee obtained, and they were able to trace payments from a number of foreign nationals to Hunter Biden and other Biden family associates. The reason why I think that $20 million is so significant is before the special counsel was named last week, um, the House Oversight Committee releases this memo detailing these payments. And what we had learned during the failed plea uh, bargain agreement between Hunter Biden's lawyers and the DOJ is that Hunter's team thought that that plea agreement would shield him from all future prosecution, uh, including foreign lobbying. And the DOJ said, oh, no, no. And so this $20 million now, that's the type of thing uh, that potentially um, the DOJ could be looking into. Because, look, um, you know, we know that Hunter Biden and his associates got paid. And we also know that Hunter Biden never registered as a foreign agent. Which is kind of a deal. I mean, that really is kind of a deal. If, if, you, if you served in Congress and then you retire or you get voted out or whatever, and you end up over on K Street, and so you're going to start you know, coming in and talking to people in Congress and trying to get them to the side of whatever company you're working for as you lobby for them, you have to fill out certain documentation that says, this is what I do, and this is why I'm going to be on Capitol Hill now and then. I mean, you have to do that, right? Yeah, the lobbying laws are pretty strict in terms of registering. Of course, there are some ways that K Street gets around that. Um, And, you know, certainly there's a whole cottage industry uh, for how to comply with the law. What's interesting about FARA is that this is a law that's been on the books since before the Second World War. And the idea was if there is someone who is trying to influence policy of the United States and they are doing so on behalf of a foreign government, right. they should have to disclose that. Yep. The thing about it is, though, in the, the decades since, um, this is a law and it was kind of disregarded. I mean, there weren't a lot of lobbyists in Washington, D.C. who were worried about registering for FARA. The difference is that during the previous administration, uh, Special Counsel, Counsel Mueller, he used FARA to really turn the screws on a lot of people in Trump world 
uh, to get them to cooperate with his investigation. And so now Republicans are saying, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you know, this was a, a cudgel against our team. Why is uh, the other team allowed to skate? Yep. No, you're exactly correct. Uh, and, and they need to get a handle on that. Let me ask you one other question about that again real quick before we change channels here. For talking to Philip Wegman from Real Clear Politics. The special counsel, Mr. Weiss, does that not smell weird to you? So the thing that's interesting about this is that Weiss previously told um, the House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan that he had all the powers that he needed, that he did not need to be named a special counsel to bring charges in whatever jurisdiction he wanted. Um, Since he made that testimony earlier this year, um, and I think it was actually a letter, not testimony, my mistake. I think you're right. uh, There have been two whistleblowers. There's an FBI whistleblower that came forward and said that uh, during the transition, the uh, Biden administration was tipped off that uh, the DOJ would be seeking an interview and would be looking for records related to Hunter Biden. And then there's also an IRS whistleblower saying that their investigation of um, tax charges against the president's son, uh, that the proper protocol wasn't in place. And the real, um, the real genesis of the special counsel here is when that plea deal breaks down. House Republicans and Senate Republicans, they've brought a lot of pressure. And so um, that's led to, you know, the attorney general naming a special counsel. Mm -hmm. But Republicans aren't satisfied because they're saying, wait a minute, special counsels are designed to be someone who is from outside of the government, who is brought in when there is a potential conflict of interest, when, you know, uh, a prominent individual within the government is under investigation. You just gave... Um, you know, Weiss, a a new business card. It doesn't actually change anything, and it doesn't actually uh, contribute to um, confidence in his investigation. Yeah, yeah. Somebody argued with me at a coffee house the other day, and they said, well, yeah, but Weiss is not a federal employee. Yes, he is, because they said, no, 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 he's an attorney up in Delaware, wherever he's at. I said, he's a U.S. attorney. His paychecks are still signed by the federal government. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, Republicans are arguing um, that, uh, you know, this guy is the one who was giving Hunter Biden, in their opinion, a sweetheart deal. And now this is the individual who is going to be um, given special counsel uh, powers. They're not satisfied with this. Well, I'm sorry. It just smacks as, as unfair, unjust. There's no way this investigation is going to be clean. I want it to be clean. I want to, I want a guy who's from the outside. He's highly competent. He's a well-respected lawyer. All this is written in the rules for a special counsel. You know, he's beyond, he's beyond indictment himself. He's just an amazing individual, and he'll just dig to the bottom till he finds it. I, Philip, that's what I want. Even if this guy finds out that that Hunter did nothing wrong. That's what I want. Mm. And think back to uh, when Robert Mueller was named a special counsel to look into uh, the allegations of, of Trump's Russian collusion. He was touted as sort of the last Boy Scout in Washington. He was this elder statesman um, who was going to be brought in. He was a, a lawyer who knew the law. He was someone who could be above and beyond politics. And there was a, a sort of gravitas to 
um, his duties. I don't think that that is the impression that people get in Washington, D.C. when, um, you know, Weiss becomes special counsel. Instead, people just say, all right, well, he has a new business card. Uh, and Republicans are, they're frankly pretty, pretty furious about this. Yeah, yeah, I think they're exactly right. If you don't mind, because of time, let's switch channels once more, shall we? And let's go down to Georgia. Uh, former President Trump, a grand jury down in Fulton County, Georgia, has indicted him and and more than a dozen other people, too, for election fraud mm-hmm. and racketeering and all this other stuff. Um, first of all, Trump is the first former president ever to be facing criminal charges. And now he's got four separate cases involving allegations against him. I mean, this really is... I don't care what they say. This is a coordinated effort. Yeah, I remember when I wrote for the first time that uh, he was the the first president to be indicted. And I made a mental note because that was um, kind of momentous. And then he got indicted again and again and again. Uh, I think the risk here from a political perspective is that voters tune this out and they don't pay attention to the details. Instead, they're of the opinion that, all right, well, you know, what's new in this latest indictment. And frankly, I think a lot of people um, in my business here in Washington, D.C. are to blame for a lot of that because they cried wolf for uh, the majority of his time in office, um, you know, alleging that there was some sort of conspiracy with, uh, you know, the Russians to steal the 2016 election. Right. And so now, you know, it's going to be pretty difficult for them to get conservatives and Republicans to pay attention to these indictments. Uh, Let me ask you this question. Um, When you look at RICO, because that's one of the things that he's being charged with down there. um, RICO is what? Bribery or counterfeiting or embezzlement or fraud? Um, But it's it's something where it's it falls under a federal criminal code. Isn't that right? Yeah. And I and my understanding is that Georgia has a similar version um, that is going to let the uh, the attorney down there bring these charges. It's not federal. I think that the strategy for Trump's team is to try and move this to a, a federal court. Um, I do not know if he will be successful. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's their version of RICO. Yeah. I mean, because they've said down there that their law, according to Georgia Code, if somebody's found guilty of a RICO offense, that's a felony and it's punished by not less than five or more than 20 years imprisonment or some kind of a fine that's been specified somewhere. I mean, somebody wants to nail Trump to the wall. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that this has been previously reported, and it checks out with what I'm hearing. This is the case that the former president is worried about. Um, Part of that is because it rehashes a lot of his conduct before January 6th and afterwards. But the real reason that he's worried about this one is because it's in Georgia, and that means that if he's elected president, he can't pardon himself of these charges. Yep. Furthermore, the way Georgia does pardons is it's not something that's in the hands of the governor down there. Instead, uh, there's a panel, and so the idea is, all right, if he loses this one, well, you know, he, he's playing for keeps, and the possibility of, of jail time is very real. But you know, there are 19 individuals named um, in this, uh, you know, this RICO case. I'm not certain if this is the sort of thing that will eventually go to trial. Uh, but, you know, the, the stakes seem to be, you know, at least a little bit higher now because, um, you know, he can't uh, 
can't run for president to stay out of jail, at least with the Georgia charges. Yeah. Um, I, I know that the indictment down there was like almost 100 pages. Um, and, and it talks about this scheme that, that their words, not mine, when, when Trump's loss in 2020, but it's include the state of Georgia. You know, back then we were looking at Arizona and Georgia and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin. Because in all those states, these are the states where we went to bed one night and it was really hairy because Trump's had a lead, but it was very, very slight. And the next morning, he's down like by 20 or 25,000 votes. Mm-hmm. And your head just spins a little bit because is it impossible? No, it's not impossible. Is it improbable? Philip, it's highly improbable. Well, so what we were hearing in the run-up to that election is that because of COVID and because so many more people were going to be taking advantage of mail-in ballots, that there was going to be a sort of red mirage where people who showed up to the polls and voted, they were more likely Republicans, and people who were going to take advantage of mail-in ballots uh, were more likely Democrats. And so his lead would get eaten away over time. Um, I think that that led to a lot of consternation. You know, like you said, some people went to bed thinking that Trump had this wrapped up. And certainly I remember when he uh, proclaimed in East Room, um, frankly, we did win. Uh, What the the Georgia indictment here alleges is is that he tried to turn the screws on Georgia election officials. Um, He he pressed the secretary of state down there to find him 11,000 votes. Um, he, he is accused, allegedly, of, of having people who are involved in this conspiracy of inappropriately accessing some of the ballot information. Um, all of this is going to be relitigated once again. Yep. Yep. And I think the thing is, we're not talking about policy. We're not talking about anyone's vision for the future of the country right now in the Republican primary. Instead, this is very much a referendum on Donald Trump's legal problems. It, but, you know, the thing about this one that, that I, I, I find very weird there are, I mean, there's like 19 of them that are indicted in this one. Okay, um, it, it's like, okay, and we're going to come and we're going to come and get the guy that did the electric work in your bedroom down in Mar-a-Lago, and the guy that fixed the bathroom, you know, at your estate uh, there in New Jersey. I mean, it's like they're grabbing anybody and everybody, and they're pulling them all in. And I'm wondering if part of that is because if you're not used to this kind of a high-profile, we're coming to get you kind of thing, like they've been doing on Trump. Other people could freak out, mm-hmm. and they might totally freak out. And who knows what they're going to say about what? I mean, I don't yeah. know what they're going to say. One of the things that immediately grabbed my attention is that Mark Meadows, the former White House chief of staff, is named in this RICO case. He is not named in Jack Smith's other two federal indictments. And the speculation, we don't know if this is true, but the speculation is that the reason why Meadows is not named in the federal Um, cases, even though some people have testified that he was in the middle of the scheme to try and overturn the 2020 election, is that he has um, cooperated, and now he's a state witness uh, on the federal level. That doesn't appear to be true in Georgia. And so by naming these 19 uh, folks in this RICO case, uh, certainly um, it would seem that the um, you know, the, the prosecutor down there is looking to get some of these guys to flip because, um, yeah, these are these are charges that come with a you know pretty serious penalty. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the ones against Trump here, because, I mean, what was it, a minimum of five, but not over 20 years? Well, there's a lot of guys that don't want to do that kind of time. Yeah, certainly. Um, and uh, I mean, look, 
I think even the conversation here, um, it's becoming more and more commonplace as this becomes more of a courtroom campaign. But this conversation is unprecedented. Um, we don't talk about sending politicians to jail for you know litigating previous elections. This yeah, is not this isn't is Nicaragua. Yeah, this is not something that, that normally we're, we're set up to do. And um, I think that um, one way to look at all of this legal trouble is that um, you have uh, legal efforts to try and answer a political problem. And the political problem is one that Senate Republicans um, punted on. They, they did not vote to impeach the, the former president. Um, as a result, he's still here. He's still around. And so the year before an election, uh, they're, they're coming up and something that, that likely in previous years would have been dealt with by voters is now being dealt with um, by lawyers and uh, in the courts. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. Philip, as always, thanks very much. There's no telling between now and next Tuesday what a week might bring forth. Um, you know, Trump is still out there. I mean, people say, well, Trump's just you know, burnt out. Okay, there were a lot of people standing around DeSantis in Iowa at the state fair. Trump's plane flies over just to land at the airport, and hundreds of people started chanting, you know, Trump, Trump, Trump. I mean, the the, the guy, he's still Trump. I mean, I don't care what they say. He's still Donald Trump. And some people say, well, that doesn't mean anything. means something to somebody. Yeah, it absolutely does. And look, uh, what we've seen is that with each indictment, uh, his support has increased. His own pollster told me that they thought that these indictments would help them in the polls in the short term. That was ahead of the New York uh, Manhattan indictment. And since then, it's, it's proved um, double and triply true. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Philip, as always, thank you so much. I look forward to us talking again next week. Uh, and I keep looking for your articles, as you know, online. Everybody can do that. Go to realclearpolitics.com. Click on the word writers and scroll down to Wegman, Philip Wegman, and you can see everything that he's doing and everybody else that writes. Because, Philip, there's you, but there are a few others. <laughs> That's true. Thank you for that plug. Yeah. Hey, listen, thank you very much, my friend. Thank you. Take care. Podcasts by Federated Media.